This is 105.9 The Region with your stories. The good news in our neighborhoods, our cities, our country, and beyond. This is Good to Hear. Well, this is good to hear. Park Prescriptions is an initiative of the BC Parks Foundation driven by healthcare professionals who want to improve their patients' health by connecting them to nature. I'm Craig Robertson, and joining us on the line is the director of Park Prescriptions, Melissa Lem. Thanks a lot for joining us, Melissa. Thank you so much for inviting me on your show, Craig. This is fairly new in Canada, only a couple years old. How did it all get started? Well, the BC Parks Foundation had this idea about launching a national nature prescription program around 2018 when it first started operations. And actually, um, I had been working on communicating the nature health connection to colleagues and my community for over a decade um, by that point. And so when I moved to BC, just a couple of years before then, I, I joined up with the BC Parks Foundation and it was kind of like a match made in heaven because they wanted to launch this park prescription program. And I had this wealth of knowledge about the health benefits of nature that I wanted to communicate. So, I mean, we launched in BC beginning in November, 2020, and then we've spread to three other provinces with, within Canada since then and are working on rolling out across the country. And, and how did it get started for you, the connection between nature and, and you as a healthcare professional? How did those two things combine? I think the moment that was my aha moment was actually when I moved from Northern BC, where that was my first job as a full service rural family physician, straight straight out of residency. Um, I was running the ER by myself. I was in my twenties at this point. Like you can imagine this green doctor running an emergency department. Um, I was delivering babies in the middle of the night and dealing with sick acute inpatients with only family doctors and no specialist backup. So it was a pretty high stress environment, but I, I loved it and I had, boundless energy. Um, and I think a major reason for that was because of the amazing nature that was everywhere around me. I, in order to go on a hike um, to de-stress after, after these stressful um, shifts, I just had to walk out my front door. There were mountains out my front window. I could, bears were walking across my driveway. Um, my commute to work was a six minute walk through the hospital grounds you know, past mountains with mist rising from the river and, and like a hospital garden. And so I didn't realize it at the time, but it was really that that abundance of amazing nature around me that that just helped, helped me with my mental health and my physical health at the time. But then after a year or two, I actually moved to Toronto for family reasons, back to Toronto where I was born and moved kind of from rural BC down to basically downtown Toronto. And it the, the difference was stark. So I was doing outpatient medicine, student health, lots of pretty healthy students, you know, without a lot of medical conditions. Um, and, but I was, I was feeling a lot more stressed. And I remember one day just kind of looking out my front window of my apartment, listening to streetcars rumble by looking at the glass and concrete and seeing a tiny little blue square of sky with the CN Tower in it and thinking, I'm so stressed. Why do I feel this way? And then it kind of dawned on me, I think I'm missing nature. And so like any, you know, nerdy physician who's trained to kind of um, emphasize evidence, I started doing a literature review. And what I found was that there was this massive body of evidence that was decades old that laid out all these health benefits of nature that I had no idea about. They, they never taught me this in medical school. Um, I never encountered this. And I thought, wow, I have never heard this before. I need to spread the word to my colleagues and my community and my patients. And, and so that's where it started for me. It was really my own kind of nature and health, almost mental health um, crisis in a way where I realized how much I personally needed nature. Why nature? I mean, we all love a good walk in the park. I prefer water. I like the sound of water. What's the science behind humans being nurtured by nature? 
Well, there are two major theories about why nature is so good for our brains. And the first one is called attention restoration theory. And so when we spend time in busy urban environments, they have hard edges, lots of glass, concrete, crowds, lights, traffic. And what that does is it constantly requires us to, to direct our attention to navigate around these different obstacles. And that tires out our powers of attention and increases fatigue and irritability. Whereas when you spend time in natural environments like near water or, or in forests, it's a source of soft fascination. So it's interesting, but it doesn't require us to constantly direct and use our, our attention. And what that does is it restores our brains and reduces that fatigue and irritability. The second theory is called stress reduction theory. And essentially when we spend time or when we, we experience stressful stimuli, what nature does is it helps us to recover and be more resilient when we're recovering from those stresses. And so this comes down to sort of an evolutionary perspective. So if you think about it, early humans, um, when they spent time in biodiverse environments, that, that they had everything they needed to survive. So from food sources to water, um, to trees you could cut down for shelter and, and climb up to look for predators. And so these early humans really kind of reduced their stress, had reduced stress when they were in these biodiverse environments and kind of hardwired their brains to want to spend time in them and passed on those nature-loving genes to future generations. And there's also some really cool evidence around phytoncides, which are these volatile organic compounds that get released by plants and trees. If you imagine a, a fresh cedar forest or a pine forest, that smell you get um, when you're walking through it, those are, those are phytoncides. And so there is some research showing that when people are exposed to phytoncides, it boosts their immune function. So their natural killer cell activity, their immunoproteins, those levels and, and activity increase. So from kind of your, your head to your toe, from your brain to your nose, um, spending time in nature is really good for us. I know that you've given guided tours in forests and whatnot. What's the difference between me just going on a walk as opposed to me going on a walk with a healthcare professional providing me with some guidance? Where does the difference lie? This is a great question, and I think adding the healthcare professional authority and recommendation to it increases people's motivation to do it. So, I mean, there is a body of evidence with the exercise prescription literature that shows that when you write something down, it increases patients' motivation to actually follow your advice. And there's actually this really interesting study that looked at physicians giving health advice about more physical activity and healthy diets. And so if the same physician had a bike helmet and an apple sitting on their desk, the patient who was listening to it was actually more likely to, to view them as credible and want to follow their advice. So I think there's a big amount of um, kind of leadership and sort of setting an example that comes into play there. And then in terms of different um, outdoor walks that, that I've been on or, or led, nature therapy is a very specific kind that really focuses on using a, a certified nature therapy guide. I'm not one, but I've worked with some um, to, to help you slow down and really focus in on, on everything and using all your five senses to kind of, kind of uh, pay attention to your environment. And I think that's a very specific, um, very interesting kind of way to engage with green space that not everyone gets an opportunity to do. Well, I'm listening to this, Melissa, and I just want to—I want to take part. It's so inspiring. What a great idea! How do I get involved? Well, I want to emphasize that you don't need a doctor to prescribe you nature to actually go out into nature, right? Like, if you're inspired by the messages you're hearing, by our programs, start heading out yourself, right? We have the standard recommendation with our program that you spend at least two hours in nature each week and at least 20 minutes each time based on the latest evidence to maximize your health benefits. So, so head outside. I mean, but if you want to spread 
the word to your health professionals. Um, I just want to make it clear that any licensed health professional can register to prescribe nature through our program. So it could be a nurse, a psychologist, a physiotherapist. It doesn't just have to be a physician. So if you have healthcare professionals in your lives, tell them about our program and see if they'd be interested in signing up to spread the word to other people who aren't already on the nature and health train. Um, there's so many ways you can engage, but I think it really starts with beginning to head out yourself. Did I read this correctly? The, the physicians who are taking part in park prescriptions can prescribe uh, Parks Canada Pass for free to those who are connected to, uh, to what you're doing. Yes, that was a really exciting announcement that we made at the end of January that we established a new partnering agreement with Parks Canada where licensed healthcare professionals registered with our program can actually prescribe um, annual Parks Canada discovery passes that get you into over 80 different Parks Canada administered sites across the country. And we were really excited about this because it's a concrete way to reduce barriers to nature access. We know that a lot of our beautiful national parks have some of the, the most biodiverse and spectacular nature in this country, but sometimes the, the cost of admission can be a barrier to people. So it's really neat now how we can, we can now prescribe nature, make those recommendations about time to spend outside, but then back it up with something that concretely reduces barriers to access. So that's, that's something we're really excited about. Thanks for asking. I'm going to go on a big walk after this interview. Uh, how do we connect to you, Melissa? Well, if you want to learn more, check out our website at www.parkprescriptions.ca. And you can find me on social media as well if you want to on Twitter and Instagram. Um, we always love hearing stories from people about how nature has improved their health and, and how they're um, strengthening that nature health connection. So please feel free to reach out and, and uh, visit our website. Website. Thanks a lot for joining us, Melissa. Melissa Lem is the director of Park Prescriptions. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much, Craig. And that's good to hear. I'm Craig Robertson on 105.9 The Region. Good to hear. This is the good news. York Region is filled with some amazing, talented, and innovative artists. And to shine a spotlight on the, all the great people creating great art every year, the York Region Arts Council are launching their 2022 YR Arts Awards, presented by the YRAC. To talk more about it, thrilled to be joined by Wayne Doyle, the Manager of Marketing and Communications for the York Region Arts Council. Wayne, how are you? I'm great, Jim. How are you this morning? Uh, fantastic. I, I like the concept of this. I like the idea, and I like the fact that we're finally rewarding and shining a spotlight and promoting some of the great different artists, and we have a wide variety of them in York Region. There are a ton of incredibly talented people living in York Region, from painters, sculptors, writers, poets, filmmakers, and that's the beauty of the YR Arts Awards 2022, is it's open to all disciplines, and we'd love to see what some of the folks that we don't know about are creating out there in York Region. I know my wife and my kids, they really like art, so I go along with them to some of the different festivals, and especially in the good weather, the outdoor festivals around the region. And even I'm like, oh, what the, someone made that? Someone created that? It's, it really does surprise you just how good it is out there. There are, there are some folks that are creating works in York Region that absolutely are world-class. There are folks that we've provided funding to over the years who have created some amazing pieces. And I think uh, once once the folks of York Region get out and they start discovering the works at outdoor art galleries and, and the legitimate, uh, the permanent galleries that you see, they uh, they start to realize that there's a ton of talent and it's pretty easy to fall in love with, with art of York Region. 
So we're looking for your votes. There's five categories in a member's choice award, each with a $1,000 cash prize. The first one's the community engagement award. But how did you come up with that style, Wayne? And why is that important? Well, what we did was uh, we posed the question of why art. Uh, and that led to the creation of the five different categories. So we look at things like community engagement. And we're saying, well, you know, how did the work engage the community? What part of the community did it serve and how? So we look at some of the works that have been created across the region, and uh, the, the artists who create them, they, they, they put together their resumes and their, their reasons behind why they created the works. And you start to find that they all fall into certain categories. Um, and community engagement is one of the better ones, in my opinion, simply because it's, it gets to the heart of what art is, and art is all about the community. So it's a fantastic award and one that uh, I think maybe a lot of other communities might be uh, starting to implement in their arts awards as well. Speaking of the Wayne Doyle, the Manager of Marketing Communications for the York Region Arts Council, talking about their 2022 YR Arts Awards. The next award is the Innovator Award, and that speaks for itself. And sometimes there's art that you realize, well, I've never seen that before, and that's the whole concept behind it. Absolutely. Uh, and I think that's, that's one of the things that makes art so unique and so special to so many people, is that it's a whole new way of seeing the world and interpreting the world and bringing that down to the local environment. Um, it's pretty cool. And, and some of the thought processes that go into creating these works, on the surface, you look at them and you think, well, that's, that's, that's kind of cool. But once you get a little bit deeper into it, you, you realize that the artist has consciously decided to create a work that actually speaks to the people that look at it. It, it. It's a wonderful feeling to experience. The next one is the Resiliency Award. What's the concept behind that, Wayne? Well, it, it's, it's for the artist who's, who's been working away over the past couple of years during the pandemic. And, and a lot of folks have been creating works in isolation. And then once they get them out into into the marketplace, for lack of a better term, people start to relate to it. And they start to see that, wait a minute, what this person is talking about is the same thing that's motivating me to keep going. For example, we have uh, a number of artists in the region um, who show at places like Latcham. And they create works, and they've been creating works in isolation for the past couple of years. Hmm. But they've been leveraging uh, things like flowers, um, and plants, and they've been putting them into their artwork. And it's just that representation of a bright flower that might connect with somebody, um, somebody who might be feeling emotionally drained from the past couple of years. They see one of these works, and then it's like, wait a minute, there is light at the end of the tunnel. I love the Sustainability Award. My wife and I were at an outdoor art show in the Georgina area, and a gentleman had taken old rusty tools, instead of throwing them away, turned them into art. It was fantastic. It's great, isn't it? There's, uh, there have, over the years, there have been many artists who have done what's called found sculpture. Um, so it's on location. You'll, you'll pick a specific location. And then the artist will go in, and using only materials that they've found in that little area will create unique works. Um, there's there's a lot of creativity going on when you're when you're doing that sort of work. It, it's brilliant to see too, because when you get there, the penny drops, and you look and you go, "Wait a minute, that was created by materials that were found in this thirty square foot, thirty square meter 
space. That's pretty cool. Well, I'm a big fan of that. Next is the Emergence Award, looking at emerging artists or seasoned artists who's reached a new level of impact. I, I, I like that idea. Well, a lot of uh, emerging artist awards are, are aimed at younger professionals. This one actually covers the entire gamut of age uh, because we're looking at an emerging emerging artist as not just somebody who's starting their career, mm-hmm. but again, referencing the pandemic, what we found was there were a lot of folks who had, for lack of a better term, nine to five gigs. And during the pandemic, they weren't allowed to go to work or they were furloughed, whatever the case might have been. And they started to search inward and they found their creative voice. They, they found that voice all by themselves. And some of those folks are 40, 50, 60 years old. They've finished your traditional career. And by creating art during the pandemic, they found an entirely new outlet to express themselves. Those people should be recognized as well. It shouldn't just be something for young people. It's for anyone who's decided to get into the arts and work in that field. I think it's spectacular. I couldn't agree more. And, of course, the final one, self-explanatory, the Member's Choice Award, the submission that receives the most votes overall as the favorite art submission, which I I imagine this year is going to be a tough choice. I hope so. I hope uh, I hope it makes our judges stay awake at night when they see uh, the amount of work that comes in and the quality of it. Uh, and that's one of the really neat things that we're we're excited about. Um, simply because for the past couple of years we haven't seen a lot of work because galleries have been shuttered and and artists haven't had a place to 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 show their work. So we're really excited to see what we're going to see because uh, we think there's going to be some submissions that just. Uh, just blow our minds. Uh, it's going to be that good. YorkRegionArtsCouncil.com in concert with ExperienceYorkRegion.com. Five finalists in each category will be announced March 9th. The closing date for submissions is the 4th of March. There's going to be general voting by the members of the York Region Arts Council. That'll take place between March 10th and April 5th. And the winners will be announced on a Zoom with the York Region Arts Awards Ceremony on April the 14th. So you have to get the votes in because everything's coming at you pretty fast. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things uh, that when you put together a program like this is that you, you start to realize that the timelines, well, when you put them together, you think, yeah, that's a lot of time. But for the artists, they're, they're looking at it and they're going, oh, I've got to put together my submissions, I've got to share this with other people, uh, because that's one of the nice parts is that it, it's one of the only awards in Canada where it's it's work created by members that's voted on by members. And becoming a member of the York Region Arts Council is really easy. If if somebody wants to support uh, the artists in their lives, all they have to do is, uh, I think it's a $15 fee for the year. And if you're a creator, um, which is a $39 a year membership fee, um, you can submit as many works as you want. Get all the details, YorkRegionArtsCouncil.com, and of course, ExperienceYorkRegion.com. On behalf of everyone at the radio station, you know, Wayne, we want to thank you and your staff and everyone at the York Regional Arts Council for all the work you do and shining a spotlight on all the art that's maybe a lot of people don't realize in our own backyard just how good it is and how much talent we have all around us. There's, there's a ton of talent, um, and York Region is is one of those places where sometimes it's a little hard to find because we've got this huge mix of urban and rural space, and, and sometimes our friends in other markets aren't aware. So anytime that we can promote arts and and the folks who are making art in York region, that's our job. And we love to do it because uh, 
art really does affect you and it changes how you look at the world. Well said. Wayne, as always, a pleasure. Thank you so much and keep up the great work. Thanks, Jim. Have a great day. Good to hear. We'll be right back on 105.9 The Region. Listen live at 1059theregion.com or 105.9 FM. This is 105.9 The Region with your stories, the good news in our neighborhoods, our cities, our country, and beyond. This is Good to Hear. It is the ultimate book of pub trivia by the smartest guy in the bar, 12-time Jeopardy winner, and someone who's captured the hearts of a lot of Jeopardy fans around the world, Austin Rogers with his new book. Austin, it's a pleasure to speak with you. How are you? Hey, Jim, I'm doing great. Great to hear from you, too. I, I have to say, the book is fantastic. I love trivia, but for someone with teenage daughters, like you have a whole section called Kanye and the Kardashians. They'll start talking about them at dinner. I have no idea what my girls are saying, and now I can go to the section of your trivia book, and I'll know what they're talking about. It's brilliant. Well, and then they won't know when I'm talking about baby boomers stuff like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. So uh, <laughs> it's usually exclusive, Jim. It goes both ways. But that's how trivia works, man. We want to make sure that everyone's uh, taken care of and everyone's being happy because it's an all-inclusive umbrella. And if when we write pub quiz and we write trivia events, we want someone to be really excited that they get a category that they love and then get really crestfallen when they get a category that someone else loves. And, Austin, that's the brilliance of the book. It's it's easy to access. It's easy to understand. But you it's like a rabbit hole. You get into it from sports rules to... Uh, you know, sitcoms to antiques, that there's a little something for everyone's taste in this book. It's so well thought out. Well, thanks a lot. Yeah, you try to just make sure all your bases are covered and you want to make an organic and really fun trivia night for everyone. And when you open up the book, I want you to learn, but I also want you to be able to quiz your friends and I want you to be able to stump them. But I also want to give you that little nugget, that little endorphin that makes you feel great where you're like, I knew that and you didn't. Now, I, I have to say, Austin, I, I've played, I don't know how many rounds of Trivial Pursuit and Bar Trivia, and I've known some people that were really good, but to take that knowledge that you're really good at Bar Trivia to the next level to becoming a multiple champion household name in Jeopardy is a big leap. How did... So many people get on Jeopardy and say, I was so rattled. How were you able to handle the enormity of the moment and keep winning and winning? Well, that's just sort of from, uh, you know, organic uh, life. I've been a stand-up comedian. I've been a musician and all that stuff. So the X factor of being on stage in Culver City under the lights and the air conditioning, and here's Alex Trebek, that can really phase uh, certain people. But that did not phase me. So... Once that started, I just went with the flow, and I had a little bit of imposter syndrome. I'm like, am I good at this? And by game two, I'm like, I, are these easy? And by game three, I'm like, oh, I'm actually good at this. Let's keep going. And then once the pressure is off, that's when the fun begins, because that's when you just sort of let it ride. As, as you keep playing, as you keep winning, as you mentioned, are you starting to get a bit of a bond with Alex Trebek and, and getting a rhythm between you and him while you're doing the shows? Yeah, absolutely, because you take five episodes a day, so it's rapid fire. So uh, while all the other contestants who have been defeated take off, you're there in the commercial breaks next to Alex, and you're there filming those little promos and your bumpers. So you get a very collegial atmosphere going if you stick around for long enough. 
when, when, what gave you the idea, like all your different background, Austin, to start hosting a bar trivia night? Was it fun? Was it money? What gave you the impetus to say, I'm just going to do this because I'm really good at trivia? Oh, no, it's super fun. Uh, there's an American game show called Cash Cab, and I was on it. And this is like 15, 17 years ago. My buddy saw me on it. He goes, hey, you're really good at that. You want to start hosting pub quiz? So we went bar quiz to bar quiz to bar quiz in New York City, sampling, selecting, and synthesizing the best aspects of each of them to create the best possible pub quiz we could. And that was 17 years ago, so I, or 15 years ago. I don't even know when it was. So I've been hosting bar trivia for uh, longer than many people have been alive. You know, and, and, I, and this is where it all comes to be. You wonder, if I'm doing something 15, 16 years ago, when will it pay off? Well, you end up being a multiple champion of Jeopardy, and you put together this fantastic book. And it's it's funny how life works that way, Austin. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah, there's a little bit of slumdog millionaire in all of us. And the great thing is, like, everything that you do, everything that you read, everything you consume in the media, it's... It's not useless. There's no such thing as useless knowledge. It may have a use sometimes, even if even for a conversation piece, and it gets you that job interview. I remember going to a job interview, and I put down on like the lowest possible rung of uh, the skills and knowledge and interests and hobbies. I host pub trivia, and the chief creative officer of this ad agency looked at the very bottom of my resume, that part that's just the filler space, and he goes, it says you uh, you write pub trivia. Ha-ha. What was the uh, very first best picture? And I go, very first best picture? Oh, that's 1927's Wings. But it was awarded in 1928 because they did a joint year that year. And he goes, cool, you got the job. <laughs> there we go. That useless piece of knowledge literally got me a job in advertising. Oh, it's brilliant. It's called The Ultimate Book of Pub Trivia by the Smartest Guy in the Bar, Austin Rogers, New York City bartender, 12-time Jeopardy winner, and just a great dude. We, this is the book we need right now in 2022, put out by Workman Publishing. Austin, an absolute thrill to speak with you. Uh, your positive energy, your positive attitude is needed. We, we need more people like you, Austin. Good luck with this book. It's fantastic, and it was a real treat to talk to you. Thanks for having me on, Jim. I'll see you soon. Will do. Take care. Send us your good news stories at info at 1059theregion.com. This is good to hear.